I'm not going to ask you if you have given praise today. I'm going to ask you, have you given God praise today? I'm not going to ask you if you've worshipped today. I'm going to ask you, have you worshipped God today? And will you continue to give God praise? Will you continue to worship God today? We're going to do that in the Word. So let's turn to 1 Samuel chapter 3. That's where we're going to be in God's Word today, 1 Samuel chapter 3. Um, anybody know what this is in my hand? Can you, can you see that? Oh, it's a yo-yo. Let me just tell you, okay, that yo-yo goes up and down, up and down. That's what I feel like in 1 Samuel chapters 1, 2, and 3. It has been an up and down like a yo-yo. I mean, we start off 1 Samuel chapter 1, and man, Hannah is brokenhearted. She's down in the dumps, but then she prays and comes back up. And man, when she prays to God and she gives God glory and gives God praise, she don't leave that place with a downcast face. She leaves with joy in her heart because she knows she's given it to God. And then we get to the next chapter, right? Uh, chapter 2, and after Hannah gives her praise to God, we find out that Eli's got some scoundrel sons, right? they down there in the dump. Well, today, what we're going to find out is that God's going to bring us back up. Because in 1 Samuel chapter 3, we see that the Lord calls Samuel. He calls Samuel. And this is a beautiful, beautiful passage of Scripture. Now, I wish I could tell you, I wish I could tell you that it's all good in Israel right now. It's all good. The truth is, it's not good in Israel. The, the, the circumstances and the surroundings are not good. As a matter of fact, when we began this series a few weeks ago, I told you that the books of 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel, what they really are, is they are transitionary, are, are transitional periods. That's what they are. It's a transitional period between the time of the judges and into the time of the kings. That's what's coming. We, we know that in 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel, uh, he is going to anoint the first two kings of Israel, Saul and eventually David, and, and we'll get to those men soon enough. But I want to remind you, of what it says in the book of Judges. See, there is something repeated over and over again in the book of Judges, and it ain't good, okay? Listen to this. Two statements that we read over and over again in the book of Judges. And listen, there were lots of judges, and some of those judges did good, and some of those judges did not. But it all came back to Israel. It all came back to the people. They sinned against God. They rebelled against God. They rejected God. How do I know that? Listen to this first statement that is repeated in the book of Judges. It says, The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God. I didn't even put a verse down because it says it in so many verses it wouldn't matter. It says that over and over again in the book of Judges. Not only does it say that, listen to this second statement that is repeated in Judges. It says, in those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. Everyone did as they saw fit. In fact, this statement is the very last statement that is made in the book of Judges. The book of Judges doesn't end with, oh, the people repented and they turned to their God, they depended upon their God, they obeyed their God. That's not how the book of Judges ended. The book of Judges ended with this statement, 21 verse 25, in those days Israel had no king, everyone did as they saw fit. 
I believe those words give us the context of this passage today that we're going to read in 1 Samuel chapter 3. As a matter of fact, I want us to focus on verse 1 because verse 1 sets the stage. 1 Samuel chapter 3 verse 1 says, The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. Look at this. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. So let's back up a step. If you remember, Hannah was barren. She was barren for a long time, and she prayed for God to give her a son. And she said, Lord, if you give me a son, I will give him back to you. She made a vow to God, I will give my son back to you. He will take the Nazarite vow, and he will serve you all the days of his life. That's the vow she made, and we know that God gave her. He opened up her womb and gave her a son. And we know she brought that son after she weaned him. Uh, He was about two to three years old is what theologians tell us. She brought him to Eli and said, this is the son that I prayed for. I made a vow to God that I would give him back to the Lord and give him back to the Lord's service, so here he is. She dropped her son off to Eli, who was the priest, and went the other way, went back home. That's pretty amazing. And so in this first verse, we see that Samuel is doing exactly what Hannah said he would do. He's ministering before the Lord. He's there under Eli, and we already know that Eli is old, and and some things have happened to Eli. So here's what we see. Samuel was young, okay? Most theologians believe at the beginning of chapter 3, he probably would have been either preteen or early teens. He was a a young boy, and, and the Hebrew word for boy there means youth, okay? So he's grown up some. Right? And so he was young, but he still served the Lord as he was taught. Uh, I believe this. I believe he was attending to the Lord. That means he had duties that were assigned to him, and he was faithful to do those duties. He, He was practicing, practicing worship, practicing praise in the house of the Lord. He was learning these duties under the priest Eli. But we find out something else right here in the first verse. And that first verse tells us that the word of the Lord and the visions from the Lord were rare. Why was the voice of the Lord or the words of the Lord, why, was, why were there visions no more? Why was it very rare in the land? Well, I go back to what it says in Judges 21-25. I'll tell you why. The word of the Lord was rare and visions from the Lord were rare. It's because... <laughs> They did evil in the sight of the Lord. It's because they forgot the Lord. It's because they did as they saw fit. People ask me all the time, Brother Jeff, does God still speak today? You don't know how many times I get asked that. Is God still speaking today like He spoke in the Old Testament? Is God still speaking today like He spoke in the New Testament? Well, you just answered the question. Yeah, God still speaks It's right here. It's the Bible. God still speaks today. Nobody can tell me otherwise. His voice is His Word, and His Word is alive, and it is active. And I'm going to tell you something. When everything else in this world falls away, the Word of God will not. It will always be. God is always speaking. God still speaks today. I believe that. I believe that we just aren't listening. We just aren't listening. We're distracted by all the other voices 
and all the other noise. And I believe some of us just don't want to hear from God. I really believe that. I love Pastor Joby Martin, and I was listening to a sermon that he was preaching while I was running one day. I was listening to a sermon that he preached. And man, he said something so powerful and so good that that I had to stop and record it on my watch because I didn't want to forget it when I got home. Listen to what he said. He said, dependence, listen to this, dependence upon Almighty God and obedience to Him are the ingredients by which the frequency of the Word of God and visions from God come through. Did you hear that? Listen to me. God speaks, and God still reveals Himself. He does it through His Word. He does it through His creation. But here's the thing. If you truly want to hear God speak, if you truly want to see God move, then the frequency of His voice and the frequency of seeing God move, it comes when you are dependent upon Him. It comes when you are obedient to Him. When you turn away from Him, when you are disobedient to Him, don't expect to hear His voice or see Him. God hates sin. He hates it. I can't say that enough. God hates sin. And God will not allow sin in His presence. And so what does that mean for me and you? That means we better be repenting of our sin daily. We better be repenting of our sin daily if we expect to hear God speak and if we expect to see God move. I love that, what Pastor Joby Martin says. So 1 Samuel 3.1 sets the tone, right? Samuel's at the house of the Lord. He's ministering before the Lord. He's attending to his duties for the house of God, for God. And then it says, oh, and by the way, the voice of God was rare, and the visions from God were rare. And so then we read this passage, 1 Samuel 3, verses 2 through 9. It says, one night Eli whose eyes were becoming so weak, and listen to me, you can get caught up in just focusing on the physical that you miss the spiritual. There's a reason his eyes were physically weak. It's because his heart was spiritually weak. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place, his routine. His routine. He got caught up in his routine, his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. That's important. God hadn't gone nowhere. His presence was still in his house and in his place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Don't miss this. The Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli. So who did Samuel think was speaking that night? Eli, because that's the voice he always heard. And so that's just the voice he thought he heard again. So it was the Lord calling Samuel. And Samuel said, here I am. So he ran to Eli. He said, here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. Samuel. And Samuel got up. And he went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. If it was Jeff Thomas's words, he'd be like, boy, don't you come back in here and wake me up. But this ain't Jeff Thomas's word. This is God's word, okay? So let's focus on God's word. Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. Now, Samuel, this is very important, verse 7. Now, Samuel did not yet know the Lord. 
He was ministering before the Lord. He was in God's house, but he did not yet know the Lord. This is called personal, intimate, experiential relationship. He did not have that yet. Samuel did not know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him, which means the voice of God had not been revealed to him yet. A third time, the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up, and where did he go? Back to Eli. (laughs) And he said, here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. Now, don't miss this. Eli didn't hear the voice of God. But he knew that he wasn't speaking, and he knew that Samuel was hearing something, and so Eli said, that's the Lord. Eli realized if the Lord was calling the boy, so Eli told Samuel, go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Notice he didn't say, your servant is hearing. He said, your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down. In his place. Now, in this passage of Scripture, we we see a lot of symbolism, okay? We see a lot of symbolism. Uh, Symbolism between the flesh and the spirit. So so that's why I said you got to be careful when you're reading this passage. passage, You'll focus on the fleshly things because those are the things to easily grab onto. They're more tangible, but you'll miss the spiritual. Don't miss this. He, He talks in a fleshly way, but he's pointing to the spiritual things, the spiritual way. And so it says Eli's eyesight was weak. And what that means is that his spiritual insight was weak. He's not, he's not spiritually who he used to be. He's grown weak in his spiritual insight. So he can't hear the, war, the word of the Lord like he used to. He can't see the Lord like he used to. And do you know why? If you'll go back and read chapter 2, you'll know why. It's because he just half-heartedly excused his son's great sin before the Lord. And the Lord said, I find you guilty too, Eli. Even though your sons are scoundrels, all you did was rebuke them with a little hand slap when you should have punished them. So you're guilty too, Eli. So Eli wasn't living the way God called him to live, and therefore the frequency of the Word of God and the visions of God had become rare, not because God wasn't speaking and God wasn't moving, but because he was not dependent upon God and he was not obedient to God. I believe that. I believe that wholeheartedly. And as a matter of fact, in 1 Samuel 2, 27, right, it says that a man of God came to him and revealed to him that his sons were, their their sin was great in the sight of the Lord. Great in the sight of the Lord. In that moment, Eli could have chosen to punish his sons disciplinary love, punish them. But instead, he just said, I can't believe you did that. Now get out of here. That's how he responded to their sin. But what we see in this passage of Scripture is after this, this description of Eli's eyesight and his spiritual weakness is we see that the lamp of God was still shining. Right? The lamp of God was still shining. In other words, God was still in his house. God had not left The lamp of God was still shining. And what that means, it points to God's continuous presence. And it's going to be God's continuous presence through the voice and through the life of Samuel. This is so important. Listen to me. Samuel, we know this, right? 
Samuel was ministering before the Lord. He was doing what he had been taught from a very early age up into this possible and probable teenage life. He, he was doing the things that he was taught to do, right? But here's what I want you to see. Samuel was in the best place and in the best position to hear God speak. Now, don't miss this. Can God speak at your workplace? Absolutely, he can. Can God speak to you in your car when you're driving somewhere? Absolutely, he can. Can God speak to you in the bar? Absolutely, he can. Can God speak to you in the deer stand? Absolutely, he can. But I'm going to tell you, the best place to be to hear God speak and see God move is with God's people in God's house. That's the best place to be. That's the best place to be, and that's where Samuel was. He was in God's house. As a matter of fact, it says he was close to the ark of God. Do you know what the ark of God represented to the people? God's presence. It says Samuel was sleeping close to the ark of God. He was close, right? He was close to God. He was lying down. You know what that means to me? That means he was settled and he was still. He was settled and still. He was in the best place and in the best position to actually hear God speak. And guess what? He heard God speak. He heard God speak three times in this passage. Heard him speak three times. But what we understand because of verse 7 is that Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Right? Just because he heard the Lord speak did not mean he was yet listening. And that's why he kept going to Eli. He kept going to Eli because he thought it was Eli speaking. And so Hannah, think about this. Hannah had given her heart to the Lord. How do I know she had given her heart to the Lord? Because she was obedient. And she was faithful to the covenant she made. I believe Hannah was in a relationship with God, an experiential relationship with God. That's why she worshiped the Lord like she did. That's why she gave back her son without even being promised that she would have more children. Now, we know through the scriptures that God gave her more children. Five more to be exact. But here's the thing. Just because Hannah had given her son over to the Lord doesn't mean that her son had given himself over to the Lord yet. Mamas and daddies, please understand. The church is a good place to bring your children. It's a good place to bring your children. But you can't save your children. Only God can do that. Only God can do that. And what we see is God doing that. This is so incredible. Eli's blindness, right? Eli's blindness to the visions of God. Eli's deafness to the voice of God did not mean that God wasn't speaking and God wasn't moving because, in fact, his lamp was still shining. He was still speaking and he was still moving. Even though Eli couldn't hear it and Eli couldn't see it, he knew that it was happening. Eli wasn't so far gone that God couldn't still use him. Amen? You ever been there where you feel, you feel like, you know what, I'm just in a spiritually weak place. I'm not who I used to be. I've, I've sinned. I've fallen short. I've turned away from God. I've strayed from God. By the way, we're doing that on Sunday nights in the book of Hosea. You can come back tonight and see that. But anyway, that's where Eli was. But let me just tell you something. God still used Eli because Eli spoke truth to Samuel. He said, son, that's the Lord speaking. And let me tell you how you need to respond. You need to respond humbly. You need to respond humbly to the Lord. You need to say, I'm your servant. That means I surrender. That's what, he, that's what it means. So watch this, beginning in verse 10. This is so good. Verse 10, the, the very first words, the Lord came and stood there. Woo! That's, that's pretty powerful, right? God himself 
was standing in the place where Samuel was. I don't know. I don't understand it. But man, that's good. (laughs) The Lord came and stood there calling as at other times. And notice this time, he don't just say Samuel. You know what he says? Samuel, Samuel. It reminds me of my Aunt Nancy when she said, Jeffrey Paul, Jeffrey Paul. I'm going to tell you, my ears perked up, right? I didn't just hear Aunt Nancy. I listened to Aunt Nancy because I I knew something was up. It wasn't always bad. It wasn't always bad. Sometimes it was good. Most of the times it was bad. But anyway, this is different because Samuel's not Jeffrey Paul, right? Samuel, Samuel. So this is a good time. He says, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. Do you see that? For the sin he knew about. His sons blasphemed God and he failed to restrain them. Mamas and daddies, we have a responsibility to God. Yes, to love our children, but to discipline our children too. God didn't call me and you to be their best friends. He called me and you to be their parents. And that's a lot of what's wrong in our world today. And I'm guilty too. I'm guilty. I just had this conversation with some of my children. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons blasphemed God, and he failed to restrain them. Verse 14, Therefore I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never, who this is powerful, will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. In other words, Eli, there ain't nothing. There ain't nothing you can do. There ain't nothing you can do to make this right. And I'm going to tell you something. I don't know where you are in your sinfulness. I don't know where you've been in your sinfulness, but that message don't change. You want to know something? I can't preach enough messages to make up for my sinfulness. I can't lead enough people to the Lord to make up for my sinfulness. I can't tithe enough. I can't check the Sunday school record off enough to make up for my sinfulness for God. But God, amen. Thank God for Jesus, amen. Because Jesus can. Listen to me. Here's what happens in this passage of Scripture. I think this is one of the most beautiful passages of Scripture in the Bible. First and foremost, Samuel was saved by God. I believe it in this moment. He was saved by God, and he was enabled by God to serve him in kingdom ministry. Now, now, now in this moment, at this time, Samuel not only heard the voice of the Lord, he listened. He listened to the voice, which means he accepted it. He was attentive to what God was saying to him. This was an experiential relationship with God now. It was God who reached down to him. Not only did God save him, but God enabled him to speak the word of God to others, including his earthly teacher, Eli. Now before we get all high and mighty and full of ourselves and full of our successes, we need to realize a very important truth, okay? 
People say all the time, how does the Old Testament apply to me in this life? How, how is it that when God is talking to Samuel or God is talking to the Israelites, what, that, what does that have to do with Jeff and start Louisiana in 2024? Well, here it is. Anything we can do for God is actually of God. Anything we can do for God is actually of God. Listen to me. The only way I can stand up here and preach you the Word of God is because God gave it to me. It, it ain't about how much education I got. It ain't about how much experience I got. Those things are good, okay? Don't get me wrong. Studying, I love to study. As a matter of fact, I want to share a prayer request with you. Pray for me because I've been distracted a lot in the last few weeks and it's been hard for me to study. I'm, I'm just sharing the truth with you. I, I've been so busy and so distracted and it's not just stuff going on in my life, it's just stuff going on everywhere and I just haven't been able to really study the way I want to study. Listen to me, studying is good, education is good, experience is good, but none of those things... None of those things matter if God don't do it first. So anything I can do for God is actually of God. So apart from God, guess what? Guess what? This is worth nothing. Apart from God, this is worth nothing. It is not us. It is God to us, and it is God through us that gives it value. And Eli is understanding that, and Samuel is understanding that. So Samuel listened to the voice of God. He listened to the voice of God. Listen means, if you're wondering, this is what the word listen means, a modern-day rendering. Merriam-Webster says that listen means to give careful and thoughtful attention to. It means to be alert with the response of obedience. Woo! You see the difference between hearing and listening? You see the difference? Hearing and listening. He didn't just hear the word of the Lord now. He listened to the word. That means he embraced it. And so he was ready to hear God. He was intent to move forward with God. And so God told Samuel everything. God told Samuel everything that he had already told Eli. And then watch what happens. How does he respond to God saving him? How does he respond to God enabling him to serve? Verse 15, Samuel lay down until morning. In other words, he absorbed it, right? I I believe he lay down until morning, but I bet he was praying, and I bet his heart was beating out of his chest. I'm just trying to put myself in his shoes. Man, if the Lord just stood at my bedside and called out Jeffrey, Jeffrey, or Jeffrey Paul, Jeffrey Paul, I'm just going to tell you, how could I go to sleep? I I don't know. Maybe he did. But I'm thinking, I bet that boy was, like, fired up all night. I bet he was thinking about what God had done and what God was doing and how God was going to speak. So it says, Samuel, lay down until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. I bet he just kicked them doors wide open. Right? Filled with with vigor for the Lord. It says he threw open the doors of the house of the Lord. But, look at this, he was afraid to tell Eli the vision. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision. What this tells me is is that, hey, Jeff, you can get all excited about what God's doing, but then when you open up your eyes and you see what's going on, you can go, but what if? What if? What if I'm not the right guy? What if this is not the right time? What what if he punishes? What if they don't accept? What if if I'm rejected? You you know what I'm saying? Anybody ever been stuck in the what ifs before? You ever been stuck in the? That's not a good place to be, is it? I don't like the what ifs. It says, he was afraid to tell Eli the vision, but Eli 
called him and said, see, here's the thing. What did Eli know was going on? He knew that the Lord was in the house, that the lamp of the Lord was still shining, and he knew that Samuel was hearing the voice of the Lord, but now he realized that Samuel listened to the voice of the Lord. And so Eli's like, hey, Samuel, what's up? I couldn't hear what God said, but I know you did, so tell me what God said. I mean, that's just the way I see it. So let's go back to God's Word and see how it unfolds. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision, verse 16, but Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. In other words, hey, I still love you. You're my son. (laughs) Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, here I am. In other words, I'm a servant of the Lord, but I'm also here to serve you. Here I am. What was it he said to you, Eli asked? Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything. You see that? He doesn't say he told him what he was comfortable with. He doesn't say he told him what he thought he could handle. It said he told him everything. Told him everything. Hiding nothing from him. And then Eli said, He is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. Oh, man. If I could say anything about Eli, it's that I I believe he had slid, he had backslid, he had fallen into those words in the judges, right, where they did everything they saw fit. And all of a sudden, I think in this moment, Eli realizes, you know what? He's God and I'm not. And just because I'm a man of God and I wear the priestly linen robe in God's house, don't, don't mean that I'm excused. Here's what he says. He is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. And then verse 19 through 21 says, The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, which was kind of the center of worship for Israel at that time. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there He revealed Himself to Samuel through His Word. Did you hear that? There He revealed Himself to Samuel through what? His Word. If you want to hear God speak, where do you need to be? In His Word, because that is where God speaks. It can't get any more easy than that. This ain't rocket science, and I don't need a Ph.D. or three degrees to tell you what the Word of God says. It's very clear. It says, He revealed Himself to Samuel through His Word. You don't need a preacher to reveal to you what the Lord says because the Word says it. Can a preacher reveal the Word of the Lord to you? Absolutely. That's what I'm doing right now. But but don't miss this. You... At any time, at any place, can get in the Word of God, and He will speak to you. This is good stuff. Man, this is so good. First of all, let me backpedal. Samuel listened to the Lord. He heard the Lord speak. He heard clearly what the Lord spoke. He had time to let it simmer and sit, right? And then he opened up the doors of the church, the house. And then Eli shows up. And Samuel is reminded that he's going to have to face something from time to time. It's called fear. We're not exempt from fear just because we call ourselves Christ followers. 
Fear is a reality that we have to face every day. And here's the thing. Sometimes we're going to be afraid. That's why God says it over and over again in the book of Joshua, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Why does he have to say it over and over again? You want to know why? Because guess what we're prone to do? Be afraid. We should not stay in that fear. We should not camp out in that fear. We should not let that fear overcome us. We should remember who we are, whose we are, and why we are. We are children of God. That's who we are. Go look at 1 John chapter 3. We are children of God. That is who we are. And because we're children of God, we have the love of God inside of us. And because we have the love of God inside of us, guess what? We got the power of God inside of us. I I wear a bracelet. I didn't wear it this morning, but I wear a bracelet all the time. And it says faith over fear. Faith over fear. I, I, every time I do something, I look down at that bright faith over fear. I'm reminded, hey, I got, I got God. And God's got me. Fear don't have me. God's got me. So I fall on my faith. So Samuel, in this passage, what we see is very important. Because Samuel moved past his fear, and he spoke the whole word of God to Eli. The whole word. Listen to me. Sometimes it is going to be hard to look at a brother or sister in Christ and tell them what the, Lord of the Word, what the Word of the Lord says because you're going to be afraid that they will be mad at you or you're going to be afraid that they will turn around and walk away from you and never come back or that they will slap you and reject you. There's going to be times when you're afraid, okay? But you've got to conquer your fear with your faith. You've got to because God has given you the ability to speak His Word. To speak his word, to speak the whole truth. And the Bible says, after Samuel did this, that the Lord's presence and the Lord's power were with him. And and, and not only was the presence and the power with Samuel, this is so awesome. It says Israel recognized it, right? Man, when they looked at Samuel, they saw the presence of God and the power of God all over him. That's pretty important. That's pretty important. They, they attested him as the prophet of God. Now, remember what it said at the end of the book of Judges. The word of the Lord was what? Rare. The visions of the Lord, right, were what? Rare. But now, now someone is listening to God, which means they are attentive to what he's saying with the attitude of, I'm going to do what he says. I'm going to obey So Samuel's in this place, and listen to me, I'm not lifting Samuel up on a pedestal. Because guess what? We already know this. Samuel had to be saved. Right? Go back and look at 1 Samuel 3, 7. 3, verse 7. Go look at it. Samuel had to be saved. His working in the church didn't save him. He was in the right place and in a good position, but the Lord saved him to do what he did. He wasn't doing what he did to be saved, right? He was saved and able to do what he did. A lot of people in church get that backwards. They think, oh, I'm good with God because I go to church. No, you're not. (laughs) I'm good with God because I teach Sunday school. No, you're not. I'm good with God because I'm a deacon. No, you're not. I'm good with God because I'm the pastor, Brother Jeff. No, you're not. You're only good with God when you repent of your sin and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and the perfect life that he lived and the sacrificial death that he died and the victorious resurrection. He rose from the grave to defeat your sin and death because you couldn't do it. It's saved by grace and not by works. Ephesians, go look at it. Again, 
Anything I'm telling you, if it's of Jeff, I hope it gets flushed and it's gone. But if it's of God, you go look at it and see what he says. It says the Lord's presence and power with him. Israel recognized that Samuel was walking with God and everybody around him knew it. They knew it. They could see it. I'm going to tell you what it, what it was. He honored the Lord and guess what the Lord did to him? He honored him. He honored the Lord and the Lord honored him. Go back to Eli and Eli's scoundrel sons. When you dishonor the Lord, guess what? Your demise is coming. If you give yourself over to your sins, you're going to face the consequences of your sins. So parents, let me just say this. Keep pointing your kids to Jesus. Keep telling them about Jesus. Keep bringing them to church with you. Grandparents, because I know we got some in here, you keep reading those Old Testament Bible stories to your grandchildren. My Aunt Nancy had that, Mama, you remember this, she had that big picture Bible. Oh, my gosh, that thing was as big as me. That's not a real good thing because I'm not real big. It was bigger than me. It, It was like my Uncle James. It was huge. That thing was huge. She'd open that thing up, and it could, like, fit in four laps. But I loved it when Aunt Nancy read me those stories. Grandparents, keep reading them Bible stories to your grandchildren. Some of you grandparents, keep bringing them grandchildren to church because their mamas and daddies won't. I'll leave that right there. Church, keep inviting people. Keep inviting people. Keep including people. Keep loving on people. We can't save anyone. Parents, grandparents, pastors, Sunday school teachers, deacons, church leaders, we can't save anyone. But oh my goodness, we can share with them the love of Jesus Christ who can save them. So don't quit. Don't quit. Get them to the best place. Get get them to the best position so that they can hear God and move from hearing God to actually listening to God so that they can make a choice for themselves to repent of their sin and put their faith in Jesus Christ. So I'm going to ask you two questions as we end today. Number one, will we turn to Jesus and embrace Him as Savior and Lord? You're going, Brother Jeff, you're talking to lost people. Yes and no. I'm talking to all people. Because I believe this. I believe first and foremost, if you're lost, you need to experience Jesus Christ as your Savior. First. You, you need the Jesus Christ to save you. First. And then after you're saved, you'll begin to understand that He is Lord. Which means you are surrendered to Him. His ways. N- not your ways and not the wor- His ways. So see, that's a, that's a two-fold question. Yeah, if you're lost, you need to embrace Jesus Christ as Lord. But I think we got a lot of church people, right, who have embraced Jesus Christ as Savior and not Lord. Oh, I got my get-out-of-hell-free card. Oh, grace covers my sin. So I can go out there and sin and then just say, I'm sorry, and I'm good. You don't know what repentance is. If that's Listen, you ain't been taught repentance right. If you think you can just come to church, say, Lord, forgive me, and then go out the door and then do what you want to do. Because here's the thing. I don't believe you truly embrace Jesus Christ as Savior. 
if that's your train of thought. Just because God's got grace don't mean you can go on sinning. Again, go to the New Testament and see what Paul has to say about that. I ain't got time to preach that sermon, even though I wish I could. So the first question, will we turn to Jesus and actually embrace Him as Savior and Lord? What did, what did Samuel say to, to God when he spoke to him? Here I am, your servant is listening. In other words, I am humbling myself before you. I, I'm repentant before you, and you are in charge. You are Lord. Second question is simply this, and this is really for us, church. Will we depend upon Almighty God, and will we obey Him so that we can frequently hear and listen to His voice? Will we depend upon God, rely upon Him, and will we obey Him? Because remember what Pastor Joby Martin said? If you want to hear the Lord speak frequently, then you've got to be in a place of dependence and obedience. So church, will we be that? Will we be there? Will we be just so dependent upon God and so obedient to God that we ain't going to have no problem listening to His voice because we're in the best place and the best position. And, and again, I don't want to just define place as this, this building. I want to define place as being close to God. Close to God. Close to God. Best position, my heart bent, my heart bent, bowed down to God. Not just my knees, even though that's a good thing. Sometimes you can come up here and bend your knee and your heart's far from the Lord, and guess what? You ain't going to hear the voice of God. God don't want your sacrifices and your offerings. You know what God wants? He wants your whole heart. And if He's got your whole heart, then guess what He'll have? Your sacrifices and your offerings. It's not the other way around. Oh, I'll sacrifice and I'll offer No, 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 no. You give him your heart. And when you give him your heart, you will obediently sacrifice to him. You will obediently be a living sacrifice to him. You will be the offering to him. Amen? I'm going to tell you, God is so good, and he changes me every day because this is my new favorite passage in the Bible. I love 1 Samuel chapter 3. You want to know why? Because that's where I am today. Golly, this is so good. So powerful. Do you know who you are? You are an image bearer of God. He created you in His image. If you've repented of your sin and put your faith in Jesus Christ, do you know whose you are? You're His. You belong to Him. You cry out, Abba, Father, and He hears your voice. He listens to you. Do you know why you are? 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10 says that we are God's special possession. We are His holy nation. We are His royal ambassadors. Why? So that we may declare the praises. De- declare the praises of the God who called us out of darkness and into His wonderful light. Into His wonderful light. Guess what? Samuel was laying down in the darkness of his room, close to the ark. But when the Lord called him and he finally listened, he noticed that the lamp was still shining. See, we can, we can get so focused on the physical that we miss the spiritual. Oh, God called Samuel out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. And Samuel became 
a light. He became a vessel of the light of the Lord, and everybody saw it. Church, that's who we need to be. Amen? We got to pray, and we got to praise. We got to pray, and we got to praise. We got to be dependent upon God. We got to be obedient to God. And if we will do those things, the word of the Lord, He keeps His promises, He will speak. And we will hear. He will move, and we will see.